this is our first session now on this final couple of sentences in the great letter of Ephesians. I think we'll spend two sessions on this. Peace be to the brothers and love. Peace and love be to the brothers with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Father, as we focus just on verse 23 here, would you grant that this peace be realized in our lives and this love be realized in our lives and that it would come, as he says, appropriately in and through faith and that it would flow from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. We want this to be real, just like Paul prayed it. We want it to, to happen. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you know this form of speech. This verb is not in the original, but it's a, it's a right of translation. It's a, it's a, a kind of doxological prayer. He, he's calling down something from God. He's calling down peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. May peace come from them to you. May love come from them to you. So he's asking here to God and speaking it to them that the whole practical purpose of the letter would be realized. Let me say a word about brothers. Thinking especially of women who, not in that culture, might wonder why the reference to brothers and not sisters or brothers and sisters. Two observations. The Greek for brothers is adelphos, different masculine ending here in the Greek, and the word for sister, adelphe, different ending there. And so there is a word for sister, and it's different, has a different ending, and he could easily say brothers and sisters with two different endings. He said brothers. Now, why? The first explanation would be, as you can see perhaps in the ESV footnote, that the term brothers in the masculine was occasionally used outside the New Testament. We have evidence for this for siblings of both a male and female. And so brothers very clearly may easily refer to brothers and sisters here, which leads then to the second question. Well, if you're going to use one or the other to refer to both, why do you refer, why do you use brothers to refer to brothers and sisters and not sisters to refer to brothers and sisters? And the answer there um, is, at least in Paul's mind, as he used this uh, linguistic convention, is probably that just as he showed back in chapter 5 that husbands are the head of their wives as God design, designed it in order to bear a unique responsibility before God 
for the good of the family, bear special burden of accountability. So in the church, we know from 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 13, that men are called to be the elders of the church. And so probably brothers here means that I'm using the word brothers to cover brothers and sisters because the brothers in the church are the fathers in the church and therefore bear a unique responsibility for the peace and the love in the church. I hold them accountable for taking the leadership to see to it that peace and love hold sway. Something like that. That would be my best effort to explain why brothers is used here. But the main point is peace and love from God the Father to you. And the reason it comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus is because together they created this miraculous peace between God and the church. Here's the key passage. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once, you Gentiles who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So there's the Lord Jesus doing his part. For he himself is our peace. Peace between man and man in the church and peace between God and man in the church. We see that straight away. Who has made us both, Jew and Gentile, one, peaceably one, and has broken down in his flesh, so blood and flesh on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility, so making peace. And here's the way we know it is both Godward and manward. And reconciled us both together in peace to God. So, peace this direction, and peace this direction. In one body, through the cross, through the cross. So, the blood, the torn flesh, crucified on the cross, and he became, he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. So the point of this, and it reverberates throughout the letter, is that the Son of God died on the cross, thus reconciling us to God the Father. He bore our sins, and he removed the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, and he made peace. Peace. He is our peace. So when Paul closes the letter, peace be to the brothers and the sisters from God the Father who has been reconciled to you, and from the Lord Jesus Christ who is the great mediator and reconciler between sinful man and holy God, he is calling to mind one of the great purposes of the letter, namely to show how. Peace has been established between man and God and between man and man in Christ Jesus. And then he says, not only peace from God and the Lord, but also love, peace and love from God the Father. And the way love figures in, we see right here in its relationship to peace. 
I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, the function of love is the maintenance of the blood-bought peace. This peace exists in the glue of love. If love goes, peace goes. So, bearing with one another in love and thus eager to maintain the peace. And so, from the Lord and from the Father, not only has the peace been provided, but the love has been provided that maintains the peace. And then, this, the only other thing we'll look at just briefly in this session. The peace is with faith and the love is with faith. I think the with faith here goes with both peace to the brothers and love with faith. Now, why does he say that? He says it, I think, in order to show that the kind of peace he has in mind and the kind of love he has in mind flow from faith. The only kind of love that Paul is talking about is rooted in faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ. The only kind of peace he's talking about is the peace rooted in faith. And here are a couple of evidences for that. Here's 1 Timothy 1.5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a sincere faith. It comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So faith is the fountain of love. It is again in Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So faith is the root, and it gives rise to active love. So I think the reason Paul says, I am wishing, praying, blessing you with peace and love that are from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus is because the source of that peace from God and the source of that love from God connects with us through faith. It comes from the Father and from Jesus as we appropriate it with faith. And so he's not talking about any kind of worldly non-Christian peace or worldly non-Christian love, but only the peace and love that come from the Father and the Son as they teamed up, as it were, in the crucifixion in order to purchase this perfect peace and provide this love, and we receive it by or with faith. Next time, verse 24. How does grace relate to that process?